Welcome to the Literary License Podcast, Kings of Horror episodes, where we dive down in to famous horror writers and their movie counterparts. Your co-hosts, Mickey Ray, Leandro Gazi, Kishago, reading horror and watching films and discussing in full bloody Let's your license podcast is at Kings of Horror Book to Screen, and we'll be covering Battle Royale by the Japanese author Toshun Takami and the film from 2000. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everybody. Hello. Leandro Gazi. Hello, Leandro. Hello, everybody. Hello. And Craig Johnson. Hello, Craig. Hello. <laughs> And I'm your host, Kishaga. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. We'll start off with you, Leandro. What have you been up to since last time we've seen you? Um, well, it was my... Uh, well, um, it was my birthday last month. I don't know if we... <laughs> so I have been working, carrying on with the allotment. Um, basically just that, working, reading, and the same old stuff. And what about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, same old. I'm, I've, I'm in talks um, with a cafe in the garden for um, uh, an art exhibition with, um, for me and David. Uh, that's going to come up soon. It'll either be like late summer or uh, maybe possibly the autumn. I'm watching the, um, the Doctor Who double bill. I'm watching the 1960s movies on Sunday with David at the Phoenix Cinema in East Finchley. It's okay, the, the, the Peter Cushion ones, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Classic. Yeah, those are the originals, right? Yeah. Well, the original movies, not the original The movies, series. okay. Yeah. And what about yourself, Bix? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh, not much. Um, uh, finished watching Stranger Things. Uh, well, I didn't finish it. I think, well, I guess we'll have another season. At least I hope we do, because I didn't like how they left it. I loved how they ended it, but I want more. Um, just doing my typical, been watching a lot of old Hammer movies and Amicus movies and stuff like that. Kind of so tired of all the regular new stuff. And between that and the news, I do whatever I can to avoid it now. So I've been watching a lot of old movies, Bella Lugosi, kind of stuff like that. Taking care of my doggos. And uh, the fam and trying to stay cool. It's really freaking hot here in Texas today. And just fixing to go home to the fast city of Watertown, New York in a day or two. So I will make sure I tell everybody that you said I can. Yeah, tell my (laughs) sister hi. I'm so popular there. They love me. (laughs) Hey, they probably don't love me. So I can tell you that. No, they fucking hate me. But that's what I don't care. I'm the bastard that left. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, same here. I'm yeah. the black sheep as well. Don't feel alone. Better to be a black sheep in Watertown than be part of the popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was finishing watching up the boys. I think we got, I'm up to episode seven. We got like eight or ten. I hope they have yeah. ten. I saw because the-, the last two episodes, I'm up to seven. I think eight's on tonight here in the States. Wicked, get wicked good. I know you didn't watch it, so wait till you find out. There's a couple good things going on, huh? Someone made me watch the first opening scenes of of season three. Yeah. 
Yeah. It is vile. It's disgusting. It's offensive. And I totally love it. <laughs> it's just freaking great. I just love it. I don't care who you are or what, what your politics are. It's just damn funny stuff. I don't care. They pick on everybody. And it's just great. You know, I, they, they were even calling out people like Lindsey Graham on it. <laughs> you know, the senator from Georgia, you're in the States. And I was dying. Because you know how they got, what is it? Uh, what's the company? Va, la, 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 la. What's that company? Bought, bought Industries in the series. Yeah. And they're making it look like all of these people who are actually alive this season are kind of involved in it, even the present government. So I'm like dying because it would be so doable if this wasn't, you know, sci-fi. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. funny as shit. It's great this week. You guys will love it. That's all I can say. Still mm-hmm. have not gone and watched Jurassic Park or Maverick. Oh, so I haven't gotten there yet. I'll just we, wait for it to stream. I, I watched um, um, Jurassic Park. was cool. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was really cool. Well, I've been up to work, work, and more work. The NHS is going under, so we're $40 million in debt in our hospital. Yay. Oh, my God. What's going on with you? Oh, thanks. I don't know. Everyone's leaving. It's probably one of the worst places to work. And I'm sorry if people from Roll Free are listening to it, but you guys are all cut. You're all <laughs> My pretend. daughter keeps wanting to be a traveling <laughs> nurse. Maybe I should tell her to avoid England. Yeah, avoid England at the moment. It's going to Prime downhill. Minister list as well now. We've I've got... been watching your news. I'm glad we're not the only on the nitwits. <laughs> yeah, no, our prime our prime minister's gone and half the half the government's gone, so they've all been fired. <laughs> we only so. dream of that over here. It's not fair. <laughs> well, I mean the, the thing is, it's like you know, they're just going to replace them with another idiot. That's the problem. You might be like, surprised. You might be pleasantly surprised. No. Well, you know, today at work, the people were celebrating, and I was thinking, okay, I would celebrate if I know who is coming, but no one knows who is coming, so probably... No, no. What, are they just going to, like, pick it out of a hat, give somebody the prime minister job? Well, I mean, the problem is, is um, in England, I think that when it comes to government anyway, they need to kind of, like, blow it up and start over, because all the all the MPs are just horrible. We, no one can name one good MP. That's the problem. And it doesn't matter if it's Labour, Conservatives, Liberals, or anything. There's just not one decent person amongst them all, and it's you know, there has honest, to be. There has, there's a few good ones even over here. There has to be some decent people. No, because the thing is, at the end of the day, it's not about the people. At the end of the day, um, our government, we don't, we don't produce anything. It's all yeah. about trading money. So if you have, if your industry is trading money, that means you are owned by corporations and banks. So yeah. we're kind of screwed in a certain way. But I mean, it is what it is. It's Bring back Nigel Farage. <laughs> Well, yeah, he, I mean, oh, what's up, fucking idiot? he was an idiot as well. So, I think I mean, he's I don't a riot. Know. He's always on the news over here now. I think he's funny as hell. I don't, I, I don't know if I'd want well, to the country, but he's funny. Well, he, he's just an idiot. He makes up, he, he makes up stuff as well. I mean, that's the problem. It just makes stuff up. And then it's just like, ugh. but is he but, like I mean, your version of Alex Jones? <laughs> no, he's like our version. He's like our version of Biden. So, oh, God. So he's not very bright either. But life I mean, is, is good. We're going to survive, everybody. But outside of that, um, I've been watching Selling Sunset. I'm really addicted to that show. So what yeah, is it? Selling Sunset on Netflix. Um, so I've never seen that one. I haven't seen it come through yet. Anyway. Oh, it's like it's like the best of Real Housewives and the best of real estate program and the best of fashion. So you kind of all get into this thing. In the, 
the drama oh, really god i've got one for you on netflix that my daughter made me watch she told me i love it it's about snowflakes and they take oh, them out they take them out mountain. into the wilderness <laughs> yeah, snowflake mountain i saw that <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like these people can't be yeah. real, but they are. I think mm. some of them are pretty damn cool, though. They're they're actually pretty funny, making the best of it, though. I, I think it's mm. a hoop. Um, before we start, I needed to give a shout out to Mercury winner and Brit um, Brit's Award winner Rena Sawanya. She's got a new album coming out on the second of September. She's donated one of her songs for her closing credits. And if you want to know any more information about a new album coming out second September, that will be in our next month's newsletter, and she will so, be advertising on our website. Yeah, so, she's yay. got a very nice voice. Very nice voice. Yeah, she's excellent. So, yeah, so thank you for reaching out to us. Yay. brings us to Battle Royale the Novel, which is the first novel by Japanese author Toshun Takami. Originally completed in 1996, it was not published until 1999. The story tells of a junior high school student who are forced to fight each other to the death in a program run by a fictional fascist totalitarian American, I mean Japanese government known as the Republic <laughs> of Greater East Asia. Freudian slip. The dystopian novel was previously entered into the 1997 Japan horror Fiction Award was eventually rejected in the final round due to concerns over his depictions of students killing each other. Upon publication in 1999, the novel became a surprise bestseller, outselling even the Bible. In 2000, one year after publication, Battle Royale was adapted to a manga series written by Kintami himself and a feature film. The film was both controversial and successful, becoming one of the year's highest grossing films of all time, as well as promoting condemnation by Jap Japan's national diet. The film spawned a sequel and two more brief manga adaptions were also created. So we're going to do is cut to the synopsis of Battle Royale. Be right back. Hello everyone, today I'm giving you a synopsis for the Battle Royale by the Japanese author Koshan Takami. Battle Royale takes place in a fictional fascist Japan in the year 1997. The state known as the Republic of Greater East Asia rose after an alternate World War II, where Japan emerged victorious and a rebellion was put down by the combined military and police forces. The government controls everything, and anything immoral such as rock music is banned. Alice is beautifies the government, along with an unnamed dictator with a strong cult of personality able to bend the whims of the populace. 
The government has established a military program, the Battle Experiment Number no. 68, wherein 50 randomly selected classes of third-year junior high school students are kidnapped, dropped into a remote location, and forced to kill one another, until only one student of each class remains. Ostensibly, it is to help the government and its military research survival skills and battle readiness. In actuality, it is meant to instill terror and dis distrust in all of Japanese citizens to curb any attempt at rebellion by showcasing the government's power and ability to target citizens' families and preying on the fear of being killed by a friend. A group of students from Shirwa Junior High School at Junior High School in the fictional Kagawa Prefecture town of Shirwa prepare for a failed trip. Among them are wannabe rock star Shuya Nanahara, whose father was killed by the regime, Noreko Nakagawa, the demon crush of Shuya's best friend, Shogo Kawada, a quiet, tall, uh, young transfer student, and psychopathic prodigy Kazuo Kiriyama. On road, the R guest the failed trip was a rose for the program. The week in a classroom on a small, vacated island surrounded by drops and wearing metal collars around their necks. A teacher, a psychopathic sadist, Ikipatsu Sakamochi, praised the student. The class has been chosen to participate in the program. The students are also given a time limit. If 24 hours pass without someone being killed, then all of the colors will be detonated simultaneously and there will be no winner. It is mentioned that only 0.05% of programs end in this fashion. The students are issued survival packs and a random weapon and sent out into the island one by one, while most of the students receive guns and knives. Some acquire relatively useless items like bomb ranges, dust borrowed darts, or a fork. Hiroki Soshimura finds a radar device that strikes by students, and Toshinori Oda receives a bullet or vest. To make sure the students obey the rules and kill each other, the metal colors around their necks track their positions and will explode if they attempt to remove the colors or linger in forbid zones. Randomly chosen areas of the map that increase in number over time, sculpting and shrinking battlefield and forcing the student to move around. The colors secretly transmit sound back to the organizers of the game, allowing them to hear the students' conversations, draw out escape plans, and lock their activities. The students desperately fight amongst each other for survival. With mentally ill bullies, Mitsuko, Soma, and Kiriyama killing many, Shoya takes Noriko under his wing after his best friend is killed. Believing that he has a duty to honor his fallen friend by protecting his crush. Shogo, who was in a previous battle royal and hopes to put an end to the program, avoids fighting. Joining the Shoya, Shoya's friend, athlete Shinji Minora, attempts to hack the system running the program and bomb the building where Sakamoji and the other personnel overseeing the program are, sta are stationed, but is killed by Kiriyama. Eventually, halfway through the third day, only Shogo, uh, Shoya, Noriko, 
and Kirayama remain, with Kirayama dead set on hunting down the trio. After a frantic car chase, Kirayama is finally gunned down, but Nanahara and Nakagawa are held at endpoints by Shugo, who turns them over being so naive as to trust anyone in the program. The colors record gunshots and Shuya and Noriko flatlining. Declared the winner by Sakamochi, Shoko is escorted to his transport of the island, surrounded by soldiers. Sakamochi, however, vowed that he knows Nanahara and Nakagawa are alive and that his supposed execution of Noriko and Shoya was a rose after he found a way to deceive disable their colors and attempts to call Shogo. Shogo calls him as a Hinanahara and Nakagawa hijack the ship and kill the soldiers on board. As the boat sails toward the mainland, Shogo succumbs to his wounds sustained during the fight with Kiriyama and Tais, but not before thanking Shoya and Noriko for being his friends. On the advice of Shogo, Shoya and Noriko escape to the mainland and plan to escape to the democratic America pursued by the government. This was the synopsis of Battle Royale by Koshan Takami. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Literary Lessons Podcast. We're discussing Battle Royale, the Japanese novel by Kushan Takami. So, Leandro, what are your thoughts about Battle Royale? Well, even though it's a really fat book, like a Bible, I really enjoy it. <laughs> I like it. You like think? It. Yes. Um, it's really easy to read. I like it because the, the chapters are not really, really long. And then it's like, for me, every time I was reading, it's like, it's like a countdown. Every, every chapter is like a countdown. Yeah, like how many yeah. students are left? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and even that is like, you will see like, okay, there, there are four that they start to like go down, go down. And it, it literally telling you uh, like 38 are, are remaining. So it's really cool. Um, as we have chatted before, well, Biggie mentioned that it's really hard because of the, the names. I didn't pay attention to the names because I'm really bad with names. So I just con- just concentrate on reading and understanding. I put a I'm little reading. list and I tried to keep it straight. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't work like that. So <laughs> I just really don't know at all. <laughs> and actually the movie well, just won't win so <laughs> that was the point of remember 43. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I mean, as far as the characters are concerned, I mean, um, yeah. The characters are quite faceless anyway, and to be honest, the reason being is because of basically the government's bringing these students to m- murder. Um, well, they don't really give you a ch- The author doesn't really give you a chance to vest in his characters, really. Well, the, the, pro- the problem is, is that basically this government does this once a year to frighten, to frighten their, basically, so that you don't question them. Because if you question them, this um, they will put you to death. Basically, we're living a, we're living in a dictatorship, a fascist society. So yeah. to give to give all these people names means that you're giving them a face. And the thing is, they're not fighting there for a cause. To the government, they are just faceless people who, who are being killed as for a way to 
um, demonstrate that basically that you do not question us because, and that, as you go through the book, you find out that mo- some of their parents have gone missing or their uncles gone missing or people just end up dead in this class of society. And I guess you could probably bring it along to like Nicaragua back in the um, 70s and 80s and uh, Guatemala and all those kind of things, or even in some um, Middle Eastern countries or some African countries as well, when they had fascist dictatorships, um, even in Mussolini in Italy and even, you know, even with Hitler and, and Nazi Germany, I mean, some of the people would just disappear. If you question all the time still over here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it happens to celebrity. It happens to celebrities that we don't like. We cancel them and we never hear from them again. <laughs> so, or you hang out with the Clintons. <laughs> yeah, for like, um, yeah. Um, God forbid if you sleep with Clinton, you never heard from again. Hey, can I? I want to say one thing before I forget, and I I know that I talked to you about this, but you guys read this. I read articles on this. And I still, I, they say that the author of The Hunger Games did not swipe this story, but there's no way she did not swipe this story. Yeah, Even uh, if she's listening. She, there's she no de- way. She definitely, Suzanne, you stole it. You stole it, Suzanne. You, <laughs> you stole, stole it. it. <laughs> and it's because of you we got that. I, no, I was watching, some, I was watching some, um, some videos and stuff because sometimes that helps me figure, you know, remember get through a book or something if I hear somebody else's take on it. And uh, they were talking about it and they say, no, she couldn't have possibly done that. That would not have been, you know, what's the word ethical. And also I'm just like, I still say she stole them. I mean, she the might problem not have stole could, it, but she got a lot. Well, of I, I mean, the thing is, is that her book comes out 15 years later after the movie and right. this, and the movie was a huge hit, especially in England. I mean, this this movie was number one here for a while, so which we'll get into the movie later. So, Craig, what are your thoughts of Battle Royale? Um, it was a it was a big fat dossier of death. Um, <laughs> it was. Um, it felt like I was reading like a computer game. It, it, I, I preferred the the writing style from um, "Let the Right One mm-hmm. In." It was really well detailed and easy to follow, and I I just liked every epi- every episode, every chapter. The countdown went down, and, and and you could count who died, sort of thing. And it was it just felt very. Um, it was good though, and. Um, it, it made me think of like what you were saying just then, Keith, and um, of the Ukraine, because, you know, at one point, you know, these these kids are kidnapped by the government to, to take part in this, um, you know, radical regime. And it just made me think of the Ukraine where like one night, you know, they could have been having a nice art exhibition in the local community and then overnight yeah, yeah. Moscow's firing missiles at residential areas and people are going Apparently missing wants and to start firing them in alaska too <laughs> families are fighting and uncles are going missing things like that. so it kind of made me think of that as well um but in terms of the book i really i enjoyed it um and um yeah it's it's a it's, it's a good read did you guys think it kind of invaded your comfort zone a little bit because nothing is is really as unattractive as children being forced to kill each other you know well I, I mean another thing is is that you know they don't really go into ages they tell you the grade but their ages are between 14 and 15 years old and 50 14 and 15 
Oh, I was going to say, because, some, well, I mean, I'm thinking of the movie, too, but some of the main characters in the movie, like the main, main character, the I can't pronounce his name, the good good guy. Nanahara. Uh, yeah, but he looked older than a teenager. Well, I mean, of course, when you do movies, you kind of have to make them a bit older. But they were all, but, the, but the characters, though, in the book seemed awfully mature, but I guess one would have to mature very quickly if one is thrown into a 72-hour nightmare on a deserted island. Well, I mean, the thing is they're not really that mature because if you look at their versions of, like, what love is, it's a very childlike version of what love is. You're like, oh, you know, oh, I loved him because he played music. Oh, I love him. And, you know, the girls are like that. Junior high stuff. It really is. Yeah, it's all all very, and all, you know, even, like, the cliques are all very junior high and stuff like this. What I found a bit weird is, you know, uh, Mikuso Soma, um, the, you know, the female lead who was going around, you know, the head killer woman, head killer girl. I mean, when you find out about her life, I mean, she was prostituting from the age of 10. Yeah, she had a horrible, a lot of them had a horrible backstory, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if that was part of the thing. I don't know. Was there, was like a, a cautionary tale there about you? I, I I think it has to do with the Japanese culture anyway. I, I was in Japan for two years, not two years, sorry, a year. And I had to sit there and say that, you know, everything is about honor to the family and stuff like this. Right. And what you have and what and what you what they do is they're expected to excel whatever their speciality is. So basically, if you're a piano player, you excel at that. You are going to be the best piano player ever. You can't just be mediocre. Right. If you're good at math, you are, you know, you're exceptional or whatever. You have to be exceptional in whatever, you know, your design in life is. So I think with this Japanese novel, I think a lot of that passes through this novel because that's part of Japanese culture as a whole situation. I do think that, I mean, I find it interesting that this is basically like, what we discussed in um, Dark Shadow through Parallel Time, and that basically if Japan won the war, this could be the Japan that would be alive today. If they but it won doesn't sound war. like a very, I don't know, I think that, I don't, I don't think nuclear bombs are good for anybody, but I think that there, I hate to say westernization because it's just an awful word because I hate the thought of people westernizing any culture, that, um, this seems like they were better off with that particular than than going the way they would have gone, possibly. Well, I mean, well, this is a proposed idea because the problem basically is is that there really hasn't been a successful fascist government that's ever been put in play. Right. Even if you look at Argentina with Peronism and stuff like that, they're always like in short, they're always in like short spots sort of thing, but they never last for a long period of time to a point where it actually changes the fabric of society. Even if you look at Spain with Franco or Mussolini in Italy or, um, and stuff like this, and they only last for about, you know, maybe 10, 20 years. I mean, it's long enough. Don't get me wrong. Or even if you look at Cuba where, I mean, that's probably the longest form of, um, dictatorship that you ever have is uh, Fidel Castro in Cuba. That's yeah, probably still, the longest. They're still struggling in Cuba. Yeah, they're but struggling. I'm saying that's probably the but that's probably the longest fascism that we've ever seen in the world. Right. Normally fascism don't last that long. Didn't last you know, long you, in Italy, that's for sure. Yeah, well that ended well that that, that was Hitler's, you know, trinity of fascism, wasn't it? Because yeah, Franco, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin. Wait, Stalin was on our side at that time. Stalin, Stalin was on oh, our side. Oh, then Japan. 
Yeah, Japan. And that, that was fastest at the time. Aero so it's Edo really hard to sit there and say what would have happened, you know, 40 years later. I mean, this place takes place in the 90s in this parallel time. So it's hard to sit there and say that would Japan be like this and 40 years later. It's kind of interesting to think of how things would have changed had they not dropped the bomb, you know, how it would have been different for Japan. Well, I mean, what I find weird, strange about Japan, when you go to Her- um, Hiroshima anyway, it's kind of bizarre because when they, they dropped the, the bomb, still. everyone turned into a shadow. All, they're all nothing but shadows of bodies all over the ground and stuff, and they can't get rid of them. They, they don't wash away or anything. So it's kind of weird that during an atomic bomb blast that basically this is what's left. It's really like going to Pompeii and seeing all these thriving, you know, these withering people that are died in like states and they're like just so they're screaming as the ashes you know p- petrifying them into like eternity so it's just it's just kind of an odd thing really but well, another thing yeah. i find odd about japan is that after the bomb was dropped they seem to embrace americanism a little bit not a lot but, and they, but, but what they did though in their capitalistic system though is they far exceeded us when it comes to doing it right <laughs> anyway because well, they are I mean, organized. They well, really are. And they have, and they're, but they're all very, very systematic. And I think that when you, when you get to the Asian cultures anyway, most Asian cultures are very, very systematic and sort of thing. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about culturally how far they're advanced as far as humanitarianism and stuff like this. I think that they're, you know, I think there's probably still, you know, some things are probably still taboo, but there it is very, very, and they're probably a bit more culturally mixed now than what they were at one time. I know when I went there in 89, 90, I remember that basically it's just like, you know, if someone with blonde hair, it's like I went, you know, my friend with blonde hair and we're walking around and all these girls are walking behind us and pointing at us and like, like teeping behind their hands. And it's probably not like that anymore. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you we, we're, we're used to seeing America. Well, we're, we're we're a globalized we're a globalized yeah. country, world now, so therefore there's a lot more. You know, you know, COVID. If we weren't global globalized, chances are COVID probably wouldn't have traveled around the world like it did. So it's probably the reason why. What I did like about this novel is Kariyama. He's the leader of delinquents about basically he's like the really good looking guy and mm-hmm. he basically has his friends and about how he has no feelings. He's born and we, we discussed this when we talked about serial killers in the past that basically right. serial killers are a form of um, emotional blindness within a uh, serial killer. Something like that. Something they don't, broke, you know. Yeah, but they don't feel anything and it's something that you're born with sort of thing. And that, this is, you know, is a theory based on a psychologist of Jungian proportions. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea that we had, you know, Kiriyami in this situation where basically like he felt nothing and then he just, he just killing his friends for the sport and he felt more alive then than everything. And I quite like that. It's like a little nod to the whole serial killer thing. So they called it the number 68 program. And I guess it was, it, it was 50 kids that they chose or kidnapped, I should say. They, they take one class ever thing. And now, I mean, this is what's quite interesting about the book. The, when we get into the movie, the movie goes in kind of a slight different direction. A little bit, yeah. But in the, but in the book, basically what you have is that basically when, um, when we got Kawada basically discussing it with um, Sakamuchi, 
about, you know, oh, this is messed up after, after everything's finished. And he talked about his daughter, how his daughter, you know, is going to be, you know, if she gets picked, you know, she knows it's her duty to the country to take part. And which is quite interesting when you kind of look at the whole situation is that there probably are families who sit there and think that this is their rite of passage into and for the ideal life within their, you know, in their world. And of course, you know, to stop people from going across to, you know, like Christianity and religion is still a part of the fabric, but the government is the religion as well that right. you find out in the book and stuff like that. Is Sakamochi, was he the teacher? Sakamochi? He was the head, he was the government official. There's no Ted teacher. They killed the teacher. Okay. In the book, yeah. Okay, so I, I got him confused, and I kept thinking he was the teacher for some reason. No, he, he, was, the gover- he was the government official that um, that overlooks the games anyway. So he has right. no connection to the class in the book whatsoever. Yeah. That'd be basically, you know, be basically is that you, if your class gets, you know, get, it's chosen, you go on a field trip. Okay, yeah, that's right. Some, gover- some FBI or CIA agent they're waiting to tell you that this is what you have to do. So I find it kind of intriguing though that that, that uh, Takami wrote this book because he had a dream. You know, it's like where are all these people getting these? It's not like Dan Curtis. He dreamt of dark shadows. Boom, there's dark shadows. <laughs> you know, it's like why can't I have profitable dreams like this? Everyone does have profitable dreams. It's have to learn how to write them down. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, there you have it. But you I thought that was interesting. Take that 10 minutes. Well, because he was like, I guess he said he was lying in his futon half asleep and half awake. And he got the mental image of a teacher from a school drama I saw on a TV long ago. All right, class, listen up. Now today I'm going to have you kill each other. He must have been a pleasant fellow to hang out with, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> And he came up with the concept. I guess he went over it with his friends, and they said it sounded like a reimagined pro wrestling battle royale match. And, you know, and I was kind of wondering, it's like, is that where we got the term it's going to be a battle royale, or was it actually wrestling that did the battle royale? But, but it makes a lot more sense when you think about it. But it is, you know, and I was trying, trying so hard to keep the Hunger Games out of my mind while I was reading this, so much so that I got the audio book. <laughs> so I could have that, too. Because these, I mean, that's the, seriously the only problem I have with this. An excellent book. It's an easy read. They're short chapters, but I just have that, that when you get them all together, the names they kind of keep rolling into each other, and mm. it confused me a little bit. So I think you got to almost, especially if it's like a school assignment, you got to write notes or make sure you've got some kind of, you know, to keep it orderly in context. So. Yeah, did you have the, the uh, whenever they have the, the kind of the impression that the students were in the school, but it's like kind of like in this way, they were kind of like selected because they didn't have any like strong families. Like, for example, no, there was one that, that, that his dad has committed suicide or another one that, I don't know, to me, it feels like it was like kind of like a boarding school, you know, when, when they are there and they're like all the time. I don't know I if would say impression or not. I, I think that basically they just pick like a regular school. And I think, but saying that, I would imagine that they would probably pick poor areas schools than they would pick like the, like the rich schools. <laughs> so if they're going to, you know, if they're going to pull a class. I mean, they say that, I mean, 
you know, they That's do what say I was that. confused about. I mean, basically, schools are just basic schools over there. I know they got rich schools and they got your regular schools, but was this just a a regular random school or was it something targeted? Because I didn't know. Apparently, it goes through. A, it goes through a, the speech. Like a lottery. Goes, it, goes a, it goes through a lottery system okay. and what school gets picked. But saying that, I really, you know, it'd be a bit like let's sit there and say they did it in the states. You know, let's sit there and say let's take. New York City, for instance, and okay, okay, they're gonna have the, they're gonna do the battle royale at, at, at New York in New York City. It probably the schools in Manhattan around Park Avenue, you know, they could be picked, but I doubt that they ever will be picked. Yeah. It probably be someone from the Bronx or the Queens or the Brooklyn or you know what I mean, because you know you're not gonna because the the rich schools and the rich areas are gonna be where your government official people live anyway, aren't they? Yeah, like it, like in England, if you're gonna do it, like say London, they probably take Kentish Town or Kilbert or something like that. I doubt that a school in Hampstead would ever get picked. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that, you know that kind of mixes it up there. I, I, um, I, I thought I, I, it did seem kind. Of, I wonder why. I mean, none of these kids seem to have like, like uh, I believe it was uh, maybe Craig said it. None of them really had a good home life or a backstory. It seems like these kids already had a struggle and fight for everything yeah. in their life as it was. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and the ending still kind of confused me for, for whatever reason. I, I mean, I didn't understand. Was the girl was, um, oh, okay, I got the name. Yo, Shogo, is that the good? The, yeah. Shogo Kawada, the transfer student. Yeah. He had a girl that he was in love with. Was that a dream or was she, he, was he really someone that really he tried to save prior to this when he had already been in this event? Supposedly. Yeah, um, basically she was, they were, now whether they were in love or anything, again, you're looking at, uh, you know, adolescent love here anyway. Right. But the thing well, is, is yeah, that, they, you know I mean. that they were together, they knew each other, and um, they said that they would fight together toward the end, and then someone kills her, and he ends up surviving. Right. So, And that wasn't what they planned on. So he assumed because she died that he would come back, that if he came back, which he, you know, he, he basically figured out what school was going to be called, and he did all the research, and he figured out how to basically cheat the system. Um. Unfortunately, you know, he does die at the end of the book, unfortunately. Well, he wants to put it, he wants to bring this to its knees and put it to a stop. He has a, he has a motivation. And then the other thing we have to remember is that when it comes to students or um, anyway, it's students that make the change in the world as we, as we are anyway. It's the, it's the students like colleges stuff that who protest. When you get to around our age, we just, you know, TV is a lot nicer if we just sit back and watch it and going out and protesting and something, you know. So to make the change, it was like, you know, and that's why, you know, Nariko and uh, uh, Shia, basically, you know, he, he, they make a promise that they will help bring down the government because of this sort of thing. It doesn't seem like Shogo, um, he sounds like he led kind of a lonely life, too. I mean, all these kids just seem really lonely. I mean, there's really not much going on with the family. And I'm just wondering, was that, I mean, if well, was the author I mean, the, trying to what, represent well, I mean, the thing this? Is the that's, one, what I, that's what I meant before, you know, when I ask you if you have the same feeling, and yes. 
Well, I mean, the ones who had families anyway, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it gives a little bit of telling that basically like Nariko has family and basically they, you know, the government officials, when they take the children, they go to their house and if their parents fight them, fight them about it, they kill the, they kill the parent, they kill the family. If the families are against their kids being in the battle royale um, arena, Um, they, uh, the, the teeth, because, um, Nanahara basically is, you know, in a foster home care, or care, a care home. That's where he's raised. And basically, you know, you find out that when she is told that a couple of the students have been chosen for battle rounds, the school has been chosen, she goes against the government and they rape and beat her and leave her for dead. Right. And they, they also find out that one of the other girls, um, can't remember the name, main girl, one of the girls name that they find out that her parents, all oh, the one, basically the first girl that gets killed, she's hiding at the table and she's trying to call her mother on the mobile and the mobile gives her away. Yeah. And the guy tells her that you can't reach your parents because your parents didn't want you here, so your parents are dead. Yeah. Oh. They I killed didn't... her family. They, fam- they, uh, they killed her family and her little sister because they were opposing for the daughter to be part of this program. So... So even if you had a family, you do have this over, you have this laying over your family at all times that basically, you know, the government can come in at any time. And, you know, we also have, you know, we also have the, the computer. That was Shuya's family, right? Um, Shuya's family, um, his father. Those were the ones that were anti-government. His his father, his father and mother um, disappeared. That's why he was an orphan. Um, we have the computer, the computer guy, and basically his uncle was against, and his uncle left him the tripwire, and said that one day you may have to use this, and he disappeared because he was speaking out against government. Right. So they all had people, you know. You're living in a state in a world that, you know, put this way, anything that anything you would put on social media, chances are you may not be heard of ever again. Yeah. You know, you, we don't have, you know, we don't have freedom. You know, you don't have freedom of expression or freedom of speech or anything. Yeah. And living in today's world in the cancer society that we are, this is, I, th- I mean, I think that's why this book is a bit relevant, because the thing is, it's important that we all have freedom of speech. I might not agree with what you're saying, but you, you have a right to, to say, say it, it, just as long as you don't incite violence or death. Exactly. Upon someone. Exactly. But everyone should have, because the thing is, if you cancel someone, and that might be in vogue to cancel people for this at the moment. But what happens is the tide changes. And now all of a sudden, this you can't say. Or, you know, what, what's popular, what we get canceled for today means that the, what you might not be canceled for that tomorrow. So the other group might be ta- targeted. And all that stuff can happen in a blink of an eye. It's a bit like burning books. You know, you, you can start off burning, you know, burning books. But when do you stop? You know, you can burn Catcher in the Rye, but it won't be long until you finally get to the Bible. It won't be long until you might get up to in the Quran or other things. Because once you start that censorshipism or um, censoring people what they say, it's a slippery slope where you go from there. Yeah. Did you think the characters were kind of static, even though that the, the story was dynamic around the characters? I think that basically, I think it had to be static for the simple fact that basically your attention is more on the main characters because your main characters are the ones that are going to turn the tide and have the ideas about turning the world. The other ones are, it's like a dodgeball. You have your captain of your dodgeball team, 
and you have everyone else around them, and then you have like th- like three or four star players, and though the the star the star of the dodgeball tournament and the three people who are very good, that's who you keep your focus on. Everyone else is just bother. Basically, they're just there to be hit with the ball and be knocked out. But you need them because without them, you don't have, you know, you don't really have anything interesting. So I think that's the reason why a lot of your characters kind of go off. You know, you don't have a lot of information. You find out how they die and stuff like this. But that but you only find out how they die through the main character's eyes. So the so everyone, it's a bit like watching a Friday the 13th film or a Halloween film or one of the, a slasher film that you're only really interested in the final girl and, and maybe a, a, a guy or whatever is going to help that person get to the end. Everyone else right. is there, there for body count. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, let's take, well, okay, let's take Friday the 13th part five. Let's take part five. Basically, you have your main girl and everyone else in there doesn't you 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 you're interested in the gory deaths because that's exciting to watch. But you can't by the end of the movie you don't know who any of these people are. You can't remember their character names or anything. They're just there for fodder, you know. They're just there to, for the murder sequence. They're all the red shirts. Precisely, and that's what battle royale is. Basically, is it's like you know you have your five main characters. And it's, you know, you have your the, the female killer and the male killer. And so you see all the murders going through their eyes because they're the ones doing most of the killing. And then you, and then the other killings that you do see are through Shia Kawada and um, Mariko's eyes and how they're there. But you don't really see, and they seem to be in places where the murders are coming or they're coming across the murders. Oh, and the computer right. people as well, because they're, they're trying to break down the government. So you have that story going on at the same time. Well, so when you look at the murders, the only uh, the only murder that you don't that really is outside of it is the couples who commit suicide. The, the boy and yeah, and I mean the talk about starting it off with a bang. They weren't even going to deal with that at all. You know, yeah. I wasn't really expecting the characters to jump. I thought, you know, they were going to have a moment. I mean, but I... Here's a question for you. What would you do if you were if you were in that in their shoes? I'll start out with you, Zandra. Let's sit there and say the government uh, puts you on an island and you gotta fight to survive. You either die or and if you don't do it in a time limit or you refuse to do it, you're gonna die anyway because the thing around your neck's gonna explode. Just put yourself in LA and you need a <laughs> tank of gas. Uh, it's really hard because Probably, I don't know. I mean, it's two things. You could say, okay, if I'm in that situation, I, I, it's, it's me or the or the other, I will kill. But it's not until you are in that situation that probably you will find yourself that when you have to do it, probably you won't be able to do it. Because one thing is saying, the other thing is actually have the, I don't know, a knife in your hand and actually kill someone and live with that image all the time after. So it's a really hard question, but probably I would like... Um, it also depends which gun 
you are you you you, you they don't you, get the trash go. can lid. I know, I don't want a trash can lid. Talk about a lame yeah. freaking whatever, yeah. you know. Oh, like, give the kid a freaking weapon. But it did turn out to be useful, so yeah. Um so because I, I don't know, it depends if, if they give you a, a a weapon that I don't know, maybe you have don't know to be really smart about I don't know, using it to then be able to I don't know catch someone and, and so yeah. Tricky question. What about you? Um, it's kind of a weird situation because and this is what I think the book points out very, very well, is that you have everyone who doesn't want to take part, but unfortunately you have two people who are taking part. And, and if someone's coming at you, because you know, if you got if you look at the students in general, none of them really wanted to take part in this. Yeah. And the ones who did end up taking part is because they were very, very scared and they're just like running around. But the two that basically is the, what are making people take part are the, the female killer yeah. and the male killer. And if they're coming at you, you're going to have to try to defend yourself. You don't have, a, you don't don't have defend, a choice. You really you don't, don't have a choice. So, so this game that you don't want to play, you end up playing. Yeah. You're almost really forced that, into it. And I think that's very, that's, that becomes very, very evident. Um, and then as, as time goes on, your lack of sleep and stuff like this. And then we, and I find, I think this is what's clever about the novel as well, that we find out when Shoya is rescued and brought to the lighthouse with the girls, the five girls. Yeah. And then um, that was my like, favorite scene in the book and in the movie out of all of them, the chaos that ensued. I loved it. Well, it all it all takes is um, basically the one girl dies from poisoning, and all of a sudden it's like the paranoia. They all turn on each other, yeah. and all of them dead. And that's probably what would happen, speaking yeah. psychologically, because you really get to sit around and trust everybody. You got like a day left, and you and you really honestly that you want to live. I mean, let's face it, survival kicks in, skills mm. kick in, your nature kicks in. I mean, if it comes right down to it, I mean, you're forced to, what do you do? I mean, I doubt I would off myself. I would probably give it hell and take out the people I hated first. So. Well, even with Kawada, I mean, with Kawada and um, um, Shoya and Nariko, you know, they're hanging around together, but you don't, at any time, you feel like Kawada could just. Quit, I know, quit I know. I was surprised you know, he that could he at any time. Be, he was a decent person. He turned out, but I mean, you, you always wondered when you're reading. I mean, because there's these two kids are so trusting, and they show that in the movie, too. They're trusting babies. They really are. They're just babies. And they trust this older boy, and you don't know if you can trust him, you know, but they don't know how to be any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, you know, it's like the four of us could be stuck on this island, and there might be like 20 other people, and we could stick together, but... When the when the last half hour comes, right. and one of only one of us has to be there. What happens then? Because if you if all, all four of you are living, your your call is going to explode anyway. That's sort of <laughs> so like when like, we were, I used to watch Survivor back in the day when it was kind of a decent show, and everybody would form their alliance. And I go, God, how is this going to go down? Because eventually they're going to have to fuck somebody over here. <laughs> eventually so, you do. So what about? What about you, Craig? What about yourself, Craig? How would you react if you're thrown into this? Um, probably become a cannibal. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, probably find the biggest gun. Um, then I'd have to train myself how to use it. <laughs> so by the time I've learned how to use it, I'll run out of bullets. You might I surprise would... yourself. 
I would probably end up killing the people I dislike first, and then, and then yep. Probably. Yeah. If it was coming have, down to me and Keith, it's definitely Keith. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, I say this before. People think of that. I would be a serial killer if I wasn't so bloody lazy. <laughs> this is a lot of work to be a serial killer. I, when you think about it, there is a lot of work that goes into serial killing. I mean, you got to yeah, plan your tracks. You got to bring your tracks. You gotta, you got to find who you want. You got you got to figure out where you're going to drop the body. You got all Figuring that out where the CCTV is. <laughs> you got to write all those letters to the media. <laughs> yeah, cleaning, cleaning up, trying to get rid of all the blood stains everywhere. It know. is too much work. Now that's not a profession I need. I think the I think if the worst serial killer in the world is a serial killer with carpet. rate this book from a um from one to five so starting with you vix what would you give better rail i'd probably give it a five actually i probably well i'd give it a four and a half only because i suck at japanese names but it's an excellent book it's a short read it really is good and it's got it's 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 a thought provoker for sure what about yourself leandro well i was thinking today um it was a bit tough because it's not a horror uh, book. It's just, for me, it's like a organized game of, of killing, right? And basically, I mean, you read it to know what's, what's going to happen, but it's nothing like like in the other books that, that you couldn't explain and then you know what was what happened at the end. So I would rate it like with like probably four. What about yourself, Craig? Um, I would give it. I'll give it a five because I I enjoyed the countdown of people dying in each. Chapter. You like the kill, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's sort of. What do uh, you actually like, Craig? <laughs> it's you got me of, wondering now. <laughs> sort of finished. It finished off each chapter. It was like, oh, okay, another one's gone. Oh, we're getting up lower and lower. Sort nine of. kids left. Yeah. Down to nine students. Uh, yeah, it was. Um... I'm going to give it five stars because this is the second time I actually read it. I read this book back when the film first came out, and rereading it, I actually enjoyed it more now because I actually paid more attention. It did take me. I started reading it. It did. I finished it. About, it took me a little bit longer to read because I kind of, I was kind of like savoring every single chapter as well. You know, it wasn't something I was just reading. Well, it wasn't long chapters. I mean, the book was long, but when you get those intermittent breaks, it makes it easier. It really does, because you feel like you got somewhere, you know, even though it's really thick. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed this, so I'm going to give it a five star.
This brings us to Battle Royale, which is a 2000 Japanese action thriller film directed by Kenju Fakasu and a screenplay written by Kenta Fakasu, based on the 1999 novel by Kashu Takami, starring Tatsu Fasuwa, Aki Maeda, Taito Yamakado, and Takeshi Kitano. I'm so, and sorry for anyone who knows Japanese. I'm sure I just butchered every single Yes, he did. He totally butchered it. Please forgive. <laughs> the film follows a group of junior high school students that are forced to fight to death by Japanese totalitarian government. The film drew controversy and was banned or excluded from distribution in several countries. Tori Company refused to sell the film to any United States distributor for over a decade due to concerns about potential controversy and lawsuits until Anchor Bay Entertainment eventually acquired the film in 2010 for a direct-to-video release. The film was first screened in Tokyo on more than 200 screens on December 16, 2000, with an R15 plus rating, which is rarely used in Japan. It was the highest-grossing Japanese language film for six weeks after its initial release, and was later released in 22 countries worldwide, grossing over 30 million in 10 countries. The film earned critical acclaim, and especially with its DVD releases, drew a large global cult following. It is often regarded as one of Fakasu's best films, and one of the best films of the 2000s. In 2009, filmmaker Quentin Tarantino praised Battle Royale as his favorite film of the past few decades. Battle Royale was the last film to be directed by Fakasu because he would die. He also started working on the sequel title Battle Royale 2 Requiem, which is available on Shudder. But died of prostate cancer on January 12, 2003, after shooting only one scene with Katano. His son, Kata Fakasu, who wrote the screenplay, screenplay for both films, completed the film in 2003. Battle Royale became a cultural phenomenon and was considered one of the most influential films in recent decades, having been highly influential in global popular culture. Since the film's release, the term Battle Royale has been redefined to refer to the financial narrative genre and her mode of entertainment inspired by the film, where a select group of people are instructed to kill each other off until there's a triumph survivor. It's inspired numerous media, including films, books, animation, comics, television shows, visual novels, and video games. The Battle Royale game genre, for example, is based on the film's concept, and because of Fortnite, Battle Royale is very much alive today. What we're gonna do is cut to the trailer and we'll be back to discuss the film Baffarel from 2000. この国はバトルロワイヤル。そこで今日は皆さんにちょっと殺し合いをしてもらいます。最後の一人になるまでです。じゃあ、お前、俺はこのクソゲームの生き残りや。私たち明日死ぬんだよね。俺の他にやる気ねえぜ何を思うてんねえ人生はゲームです人にはいろいろ事情があるのどうしてみんな簡単に殺し合うんだよ
いいの Welcome back to the podcast. We're discussing Battle Royale for 2000, starting with you, Leandro. What are your thoughts of Battle Royale, the film?、Um, well, I really, really enjoy it.、Um, first time, well, it's not the first time I've seen a movie, a Japanese movie, I think, but I haven't seen a lot.、Um, I like how, well, as, as Craig said, the way they, they, they The killings are happening, like, like really like cold blood. No, no, like,、uh, <laughs> I'm、you、going to get a moment, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does straight to the point. Like, for example, when the professor grab a knife and throw it to, to the, in the middle of the forehead to yeah, one of the students, you know, no. <laughs> and then he said, Well, I shouldn't be doing that, but well, <laughs> <laughs> he was funny. Yes, yes, I kind of enjoyed his presence in the movie quite a bit. That's、yeah. when you, you, learn, you feel how serious the whole situation is. And、yeah. it's not just、uh, a hoax or a, this is the real thing, you know, and you could die at any moment. And we're going to, here's,、mm-hmm. you know, no, it, no one's safe. Yeah. And, and then there was like, finally, like, for example, then when there, they were all together in the classroom and then they were starting to, like, for moments, they, they were like losing the plot. And then he was saying, well, okay, come on, let's go back. Let's carry on with what we, what we have to do, right? It's like, It seems like, I don't know, that everyone's going to stand up and, 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 and reveal, you know, and then, I don't know, let's say, oh, and, and a case was about to start. He shoot someone, then go, go back to where they were. Where.、Um, yeah,、um, I really、um, enjoy how they were like going from like something from one place to the other, you know, it's like, and then it's like, In, there were a few moments that it's like kind of like they were going back to this,、uh, the story and then carry on. Like, for example, there was one part that they were, you were seeing, you were watching a scene of one person killing the other, but then, then you, the movie carried on, then, until, then there was, the, the, let's say, the moment of one of the students, and then she h a v e seen how one has killed the other, but you haven't seen in the first place because she was hidden in the bushes. So that was, to me, like, that was really, really cool.、Um, for me, what was a bit strange was the end, because for me, like, it's like a kind of like, okay, this is how the movie ended, but then it's like, remind me to,、uh, oh, what was the name of the movie?、Uh, Ward、uh, with、okay. Mike Myers and another,、uh, Wayne. Wayne's the world. world、um, Wayne's world. Yeah, that is like you have a, the movie and then you have three, three endings and you can choose which one would you like. Yeah. <laughs> so that for me was like, well, hold on. <laughs>、uh, but no, I really, really enjoyed the movie. It's really cool. And, and as Vicky says, it was really hard because I've never heard about this movie or book and I have seen the、um, Hunger Games, you know, and it's like, it's really hard to not to. to When I was, for example, reading the book or when I was watching the movie to compare, but it's like the mind works like that, you know? It's like, okay, this is similar. The Hunger Games is far more glamorized. Yes, yes, yes. For, you know, when they're in the, in the island and they say, okay, if you're staying still and you're not moving, the thing in the neck will let us know and they will make it explode. 
So that was the part of the, like, okay, well, what's going to happen now? They're staying in the house. Are they going to die or not? So, yeah, but really interesting. Maybe I like it. Well, you stop, Craig, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I enjoyed the film. Um, my favorite um, bit, my, fa- my favorite scene was um, um, the shootout, the... Um, I've, I've got to get the name. Uh, when you is it? Yukush acts eats the poison food. Yeah, that was my favorite part oh, yeah, too. Yeah, it was just great, man. It was like it was a bloodbath, massive, massive yeah. chaos, and then the guy was under the table. That's it, and it made me think of the poison berries in the Hunger Games as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like the teacher a lot. Um, I don't he know was why. An asshole, he but was... a lovable let. You have to admit, yeah. <laughs> he was dressed like. I, I love how he wouldn't die in the end. You thought he was dead, then he just gets up. <laughs> he was like a beige wearing someone from a a soap opera from like the the nineties or eighties or nineties, where he yeah. was dressed. You know, just he looked like a dad, you know, or or an un- a typical uncle or something. You know, and well, um, didn't he have fatherly feelings toward our main character? You know, that was weird. Well, I don't know if it was fatherly figures. But I think what it is is that. See the movie, or is it a culture it, thing where they call someone uncle, but they're just family yeah. friend or close relative or something like? Yeah. Well, I mean the movie the movie changes some of the books slightly with a simple fact that we're no longer living in a total totalitarian government. I mean it's kind of there, but now instead of just picking a random school, they pick schools full of kids who are very unruly. So you know these are like kids who are like you know act very badly. You know, that's what we have in the in the movie version. You know, yeah. Right. And you know, remember all the kids didn't show up for school and Nariko shows up for school. And that's where they get the connection between the teacher and the and her. Because she showed up and he took her out for ice cream and he realized that she's quite a nice person and she's she's quite an innocent person. Right. Where everyone else in his class everyone else in his class, you just thought he had a school full of assholes. That's how we got that. In the beginning though, just like Craig, when you watched the beginning and you saw the little girl, which did you guys think that she she was the winner of the prior games, right? The yeah. little girl, the doll. Yeah. She was a creepy little shit, wasn't she? <laughs> she must well, have been all of seven, maybe. Well, another thing that's quite interesting is, and this is what you kind of get in the movie they don't get in the book, is the way the media portrays this. Oh, look at her. We have a winner. Yay. Oh, oh, look, she's smiling. It's like, this is a girl who's basically like just got the worst case of PTSD that you're ever going to see. And she's smiling. (laughs) It's like, ah. No fireworks for you. She just survived the the mass character of 42 kids. It's like, you know, at the same time, I found it like they're they're like 14, 15, but sometimes they're like, they're, they're like behaving like they're like younger than that. I think, very that, I think very I think it well I think in the movie I think the reason why you get that because they probably are I the think kids. that they're well they're the oldest actor is 25 and they're supposed to be paying 14 to 15 year olds and only four of the cast were 15 to 16 year olds and everyone else was like in their early you know late tw- late teens early 20s so they're so they're trying to act like they're younger so I think that's probably yeah. why you get that in the film sort of thing you know I mean, you know, it's a bit like um, if you think of, um, 
uh, what's his name? The main, you know, the main killer guy, Carrie. Uh, oh, man, I've been saying it so much. I think uh, Carrie Alma, the main guy who's going around killing, he looks a lot older than the rest. That's of what them. I've said. I mean, he looks like he's like twenty four. Easy. Well, they made him a transfer student as well, which right. is kind of weird. Yes. And then Kawada is a transfer student, and he looks about 24, 25. So I was just like, thinking, what? well, maybe they're seniors, you know? I mean, but why would they put them in with the same age group? I guess it doesn't matter. Well, Kawada, Kawada in the book, I mean, he would be a year older because he, he right. participated in um, games. And then because he, he had to go back a grade, didn't he, because of the game. And in the book, they do the games twice a year. In the movie, they do them once a year. So, Is it twice a year in the book? Twice a year in the book, yeah. And the the teacher, uh, Takeshi Kitano, he I've just seen he was um, the real life host of Takeshi's Castle. Oh, so he was a game in, show in real life, yeah. Well, yeah. it suited him perfectly. They couldn't have nailed it better. They I thought six... he was entertaining as hell. Tell you the truth, I think I thought he was. You know what I did? What I did do? I found a dubbing. I, I found it so much easier to read. It, the subtitles that you pay attention to the dubbing yeah. that was making me flipping crazy. <laughs> I couldn't do Jap- it because the Japanese, Japanese dubbing is always bad. I had subtitles. Well, it's terrible. And it's just I like, you know, find somebody that does animate at least do the voice something, you know, but I mean, it made more sense in the, in the Japanese version with the language and everything much more riveting. It ruins it when you have this, when they took this dubbing in, it ruins the movie. You actually, I like the subtitling a lot better. And just listening yeah. to the Japanese. Because it ruins yeah, it. I, I agree. They cast 6,000 actors and put them through a physical regime. and then got, I believe it. Whittled it down to 42. <laughs> <laughs> they go big or go home in Japan. Can you imagine working for one of their companies? It was a snuff movie. They make movie. you exercise first thing in the morning. It you know, a, they actually do that stuff. It was know? a real-life snuff movie. They they actually killed <laughs> 800 well, you did recognize one of the, did. <laughs> the 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 main the lead the Takeshi's lead killer, Castle. Well, the, the lead killer um, actress, they know, no the, filter, the girl who's right? going around, <laughs> uh, Kawu Sabaski. You do recognize her, don't you? He Kill looks Bill. familiar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Japanese girl with the yeah, ball yeah. going after Uma Thurman. Who was that? Game. Who was that? That that's um she was um she played Suma, the main girl who's going around killing all everyone. The one with, right. the, with the sickle and went through the poor girl. But I mean she and, looks familiar and, and wait, now not her, but the one that was doing the, the, the when they show the, the video, she looks so familiar that it's making me crazy. And I just know I've seen her. I love, I love the video where they kind of explaining. Yeah, the, the rule of the game, yeah. and that was so well done. She's like, she's like really happy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like yes, and you have you have water. And you you have move, food, explode you have <laughs> Woohoo! Get out there and kill your classmates. Uh, when the, when their throats exploded, I was like, oh, mm. kill your classmates! Wahoo! Yeah, that's uh, that for me was really interesting. Is like. The the game the game is about killing, but the way the the lady explained the game to me is like a bit like childish. Yeah. I mean, the only the only complaint I have between the book and the movie, and I I mean the 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 book I mean the book complements the movie and the movie complements the book, so it's good. The only thing I the only thing I really didn't like is that 
where they decide to pick a class that's unruly. Because what that does is in the book, they take this innocent class and they're just normal kids and they put them in this game situation. But in the movie, because they're unruly kids, you kind of think, well, like maybe they deserve it a little bit because they're they're mean kids. You know, like they got attitudes they and they're like... Especially that little shit that stabs the teacher in the beginning and how he dies. Like nobody had a better time than that little turd, and he hated him, too, so you knew that he was probably going to get taken out. And he skips school, and he's the dumbass comes to school the one day they have a field trip. Well, that's, that's where his best friend has a guilt trip throughout the home. Because in the movie, I mean, in the book, basically, Shogo and Nara are really close friends. And so none of this happens. So and he, he's in love with Nariko, isn't he? So he protects yes. Nariko, and that's the reason why, because he, because he, gets, because he gets shot. Well, here, yeah, but he, but he said here he's, he's, at, he's a little though. shit. So when his when his own camera, explo- you know, when his thing explodes, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, you don't, you no longer have, you know, <laughs> that whole thing where it's like, oh, it and the book is quite world. shocking because he died because you weren't expecting him to die. So yeah, he did. In the movie, movie it's like, well, did they you know, have that stupid thing on their neck? I can't remember. Um, there was another movie, maybe Logan's Run or something. I don't know. I can't remember now. They had one in Masters of the Universe, I think. Maybe that was it. Yeah. And they they, cl- they clamped the neck. Mm-hmm. It was I've seen it before. With maybe Star Trek, but someone had those stupid things around their neck. I tell, you what's, in- I tell you what's interesting is the sequel to this is very good. The book, well, I, I was reading, I was going to watch it. I might actually watch it because I'm you know, in another house. Too. But that, but it yeah. got such bad reviews. The second movie, I liked it. This time. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I did watch it again. I watched it um, again, and I like it because it kind of takes it because he's trying to break down the government. So you get this classic these classes, and what they do is they have to go in pairs, and one boy and one girl and they're in pairs. And the thing is, if one of them dies, the other one dies automatically. <laughs> But the government's using them to take down um, Na- Nahara. That's what, they, that's what they're using. So it's quite interesting from that point of standpoint. But yeah, it doesn't have the, there are some slow bits and it doesn't have the flow that this one, you know, this one has. But that's what they said. They I, said I, there was like a continuity issue with a lot of it. Yeah. So, but, um, but they said it lacked it lacked the interaction that the first movie had. And being that I haven't seen the second one, I don't know because there's three of them on Tubi. You got the first one, and there's two other movies. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one, but I thought it'd be worthwhile. I really enjoyed the first one. I, I'd like to see what happens to the characters. So, I mean, I hate to say this, but thank God that high school shootings became popular in America because if they didn't. This would have had an American remake. <laughs> they won't remake any of this stuff. Well, they did the Hunger Games. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, but, but, but if you notice that the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games is so blurry that you have time you don't even know what the hell is going on. I mean, I like the Hunger Games movie. I love so the Hunger Games. I love but it. When the ki- but when the killings are going on, they're like, it's like, it's like, well, and it then, goes when the person's quick, dead, you, and you're like, okay. Well, you know who but, the bad guys are in the Hunger Games. Yeah, but I felt cheated. I wanted to see the kids die. You don't see them die. You don't see any death in it. You see after in the, the Hunger Games. Like, yeah, you don't see them. You don't see them killing anyone. I oh, don't yeah. know. You see them aiming for them, and then you see the body fall, but you don't see any contact being hit. 
ah, shit, now I got to YouTube a couple yeah, of Yeah, and, 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 and because they made it, they made it for kids. They made it a PG. I don't remember. It's rated. Oh, it Wait, is it a strong PG thirteen or something? I've got to look. No, it's, it's, no, it's a PG yeah. film because the the Hunger Games is a set of teen novels. They're young adult fiction. That's what the books are. Well, did I mean, you book, notice? Did the you books notice? Gra- the, bo- the books are more graphic than the movie. So I was kind I like of like catching fire because it wasn't. Good. Well, in the first, well, in the what is it in the in the beginning of the movie, it intrigues you already because when somebody says this is really gory and you shouldn't watch it, that's just like, oh, that's just a challenge at that point. I didn't think it was really gory, but I thought that the kills were really good and the bloodletting was pretty pretty spectacular. I thought they did a good job with their kills in here. And they were pretty realistic, like especially you got these little girls in their freaking school shirts and they are getting oozied up and shot. Then you got those two on the hill going... Let's all work together. Let's all be friends. <laughs> Let's all become Teletubbies. Become friends. Big mistake. You know, it's just like, oh, man, who's going to stand out there in the middle of the hill and start screaming except a kid? Because they're so innocent. They don't realize, yeah, they're, they're going to die one way or the other. And they got those two. And you got the one who's obviously he's, uh, the different colored hair. I cannot pronounce his name. Who was that? Yeah, the other bad boy. Yeah. And then you got that bad girl, and she's just bad. I mean, I thought she was worse than the boys. She was just sinister and scary as hell. She was just mean. Well, she was actually actually worse in the book, though. In the book, I mean, she'd be like... She was bloodthirsty. Well, she would flirt with the guys, and then... Yeah, take off her shirt, get them, like, halfway there, (laughs) and then, poof! You know? and the thing is, I mean, they did show that. I mean, they didn't show the killing in the in the movie, but you did see the, like those two naked boys, and basically their penises were cut off. You remember yeah. the they saw the body. And that was her. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, you know, she, at least <laughs> she's got a gig. You know, she's she's thematic. I'll give her that. Yeah. She's got it going on. She's got Elena Bobbitt stuff going on, but <laughs> she hasn't had a meet in a while. Something. I found it quite weird that basically he goes out onto the field and, ha- and gives her an umbrella. Well, I felt bad that little girl. She's she's in there and she goes, "Is that your weapon?" And it's just like that little girl is so innocent. She's looking at pictures of her crushes. The word "crush" kept coming out so much. Crush. Yeah. I haven't heard the word "crush." I don't even know if I heard it that much in grade school. Mm. Apparently, well, it's a big word in Japan. Crush. Well, I mean. I, I thought it was funny that basically it's like when they rescue Shoya and he's in the lighthouse and he wakes up and he's like, you know, he wakes up and she's like, she goes, oh, she goes, she goes, yeah. she goes oh, I got to, you know, I got to take off all your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a man before. <laughs> I, to take, and I took it off all your clothes. <laughs> I know. She's like, I've never seen a man before. Like, what else did she do while you're out? Mm-hmm. No shit. But then, you know, he's sitting there thinking he's all safe and all these crazy bitches are shooting each other up in the kitchen. And they got him locked in the room. He can't get out. But, I mean, it was it was sad, but it was funny. But all over that, she poisoned the wrong well. She took the food that had the poison in it. <laughs> you know? And I assume the cyanide poisoning is probably not a pretty thing to watch. Well, that, I mean, that... That pretty much tells basically like here you got these all these girls working together and all it takes is one that's it know, one mishap and they just all turned on each other in a matter of seconds. Yeah. It was it was and she was okay, the girl that did the poisoning was initially mad because 
the other boy had accidentally killed the other boy with the axe. Wasn't that an accidental thing? They rolled down the hill together. Yeah, but she was yeah they rolled down the hill, and um, and she thought that he that he killed him. Sort of right. So. Well, for me, it was really bizarre. It's like, you know, there was uh, one man dressing with a black um, suit, on, suit mm-hmm. and he have a, I don't know the name of the gun. It's the one that, that shoots tons of times. Yeah, Cheki Yama. And he was shooting and shooting. <laughs> I don't know how many bullets are that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, it, I mean, it's quite interesting also I mean in the book and in the film basically if once you kill someone you can pick up their weapons so you start accumulating weapons as well yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I would have yeah, done I would have picked yeah. up everything I mean there's just not enough weapons to have because these kids all get really vicious and I mean yeah, but if you think, preservation kicks in quick yeah but well, you have to, to collect every all the all the guns that you can but then you have to carry them so it's like you have to be selective on what you're good at and what is like really uh, powerful well, to kill. Well, the funny thing is, is that I'm, I'm writing for Fallout 5 at the moment. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm playing Fallout 76 at the moment. And so, you know, I spend like two or three hours a night just to make sure I, you know, get into the spirit of it. So when I sit down and write for four hours, I'm, I you know, know what I'm writing. And the thing is, when you kill things in there, you do you have to pick up their guns. <laughs> you have to keep picking up their guns, and you become. And my character in this game gets so weighed down that I'm always have to, like, you know, I have to like scrap everything just so I can like build better guns. And I'm like, but yeah, you're right. It's like you know, you get weighed down, but get, the more people you kill, the more weighed down you get. So because I'm doing it in my game at the moment, so right, <laughs> I feel the pain. <laughs> So let's sit there and write the game very quickly because Leandro's got to go off to his horse real quick. So let's um, get through this. So starting with you, Craig, what are you going to write this on a scale of one um, to five? I'll give this five Mockingjays out of five. Five Mockingjays. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about yourself, Leandro? What do you write? This? Yeah, five, five. And yourself, Vix? Big five. Awesome movie. Loved it. And one final question. Do you prefer the book to the novel or do you like them equally as well? Starting with you, Vix. I like them both. I thought the book, okay. I thought the book didn't reflect, the book reflects everything that you really want to know about the characters in the movie. It's a good read. It is a good read. Just be ready to take notes. <laughs> What about yourself, Leandro? Do you prefer the book to the film, uh, the film to the book, or do you like them equal? The book. What about yourself, Craig? Um, I like them equally, but I think if you want to learn about the characters, then read the book because you get a bit more back history. Yeah, yeah more a smidgen sure. of it. But yeah, and if you just want kill on kill, then the movie's great as well. Obviously, Craig's all over killing. So I'm going to give the book, I'm going to give the film five star rating. Um, what I'm going to also say is that 
I think this is one of the rare occurrences where the book and the film com- very yeah. well are companion pieces with each other. They definitely complement each other in this yeah. instance. They definitely. I do sit there and say the uh, I was dating when this movie came out, and I took someone on the date for this. And after they watched this movie, I don't think they looked at me in the same way ever again. They so probably thought you were an asshole. Movie. That's not a real <laughs> romantic thing to do. Take someone on a date to a killing movie with children. <laughs> Well, like might as well take him to a school shooting keith jesus <laughs> can i where, where, where can i get tickets for that i want to see that actually i want tickets for that Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next month, I booked the screens will be James Herbert's The Rats and the questionable film called Deadly Eyes, which that will be an interesting conversation. Next week, of course, our make-remake session will be the French film La Cage au Faux um, from the 1970s, and we'll be covering The Birdcage, Cage, which is the American remake starring Robin Williams. Love that movie. Um, our 80s films will be covering Society, which is about the rich sucking off the poor. And Literally. <laughs> Literally. I'm still trying and, to get over that. I haven't seen that before, by, by the way. I'm still trying to get over it and recover. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and our other another film that came out the same year is a film about parents, which is set in the 50s, about a parent, a, a group of parents who basically like to kill people so they can eat them and make sure they have a well-balanced 50s diet. That's right. And of course, Dark Shadows will be continuing our episodes. We'll be going up to 1077. And we're coming to the end of that. So we're coming to the end of our Dark Shadows retrospective. So it's good night for myself and good night, Vicky. Night, everybody. Take care of each other. Good night, Leandro. Good night, everybody. Good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. And we'll see you next week for La Casa Four and the first week. And the next week, Painting gonna put it away. Will you stay deep in the prayers? Uh, all so long I waited on you. When with the light till it was true.